Hello, and welcome to this installment of Volley. How are you, Seth? I'm doing well, Carolyn. How are you? I'm doing very well. Suffering a little bit in the heat here in New Hampshire. We're having a bit of a heat wave. I'm holding holding my own, I guess. Yep, time to hit the beach, sounds like. I know, I know. Well, vacation's coming up, so definitely going to do that before uh, all the uh, back-to-school activities. Short summer here, you know, and so it's over in a, in a heartbeat, but um, looking forward to a little time off. Good, very good. So we just got back from ChannelCon. Uh, we had our ChannelCon event last week. Uh, seemed like it was a really good event. Had a lot of people down in Fort Lauderdale. I was part of the Track for Text, which we stream online, and we had tons of people online, so really excited to see that. Got to see you a little bit. Didn't really see any of your presentations, but how did things go? Oh, they went well. Thank you. Um, I, I, thought that, I thought the event was really good this year. We had a nice attendance. Um, I spoke to tons of people, did two sessions. I moderated a panel in our vendor summit about what's keeping vendors up at night. So that was fairly interesting. Uh, we had some good channel chiefs on the stage who were talking about some of the issues that are vexing them at the moment. And then I did a, a research presentation of my own on our latest managed services study, which we've talked about in previous previous podcasts. Uh, and I think, you know, I had a full house and that seems, managed services always seems to be a big draw. And as we've got a lot of MSPs in our membership. Um, so yeah, all in all, I was pretty pleased with the event. And I think um, I've gotten good feedback. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, the technical track went great. We had a lot of good speakers there. I uh, presented in the cloud community session on Monday, and we had a lot of fun um, doing some interactive pieces there and hearing from the community on what they're seeing. And uh, then I did a security session, and so it was it was busy, but uh, seemed like it went really well. Yeah, I thought so too. And uh, you know, it's always it's always good to see uh, see our friends. It's kind of like an old home day when you go to, to ChannelCon. At least it seems after six years of attending these events, so which was nice. And you know, speaking of, uh, of friends of uh, of CompTIA, uh, one of our good friends, uh, Jay McBain, had some interesting things post event to talk about this week. Um, mm -hmm. Somewhat provocative, I know. Um, many, some of you may have read his quote unquote open letter to CompTIA, but Jay's got you know some some interesting insights on the direction of the channel. Um, you can call it gloom and doom, or you can call it opportunity. It really depends on your perspective and what he's got to say. Um, but he talks a lot in this letter about how. The demographic and makeup of the channel is changing, and I don't think that that is a big surprise. We've been talking about that here at CompTIA. I've been talking about that for many years now. We've got an aging channel in many regards, and the way that the industry is changing around different trends from a tech perspective or bringing new players into the game. But the thing that, that, that uh, was interesting about what Jay had to say, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts, Seth, on this, is he really is talking about the fact that there is a completely parallel channel emerging around SaaS vendors uh, who are building up their own system of channel partners that is running, as I said, in parallel to what our traditional channel is doing, and there's really not a lot of cross-pollination at all. And his feeling in his letter is that those of us in the traditional channel really need to start to think about this other channel and start um, trying to bridge that gap, either getting into that, that particular model um, and, and working the SaaS reselling model or figuring out some way that these two universes don't operate completely discreet of one another. And I, I thought that was interesting and I think that there's some, uh, quite a bit of validity to it. He had some good statistics behind it. He talked a lot about just the scope and size of Salesforce's events, for instance, and how they are attracting an enormous partner community. Uh, that is 
not aligned in any way, shape, or form to the community that we normally see. And so I think that disconnect is an interesting one to monitor. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, whether or not that's, you know, it's, I hate to say doom and gloom. I think that there's a lot of opportunity here. And as the, hopefully we bring some younger people into the channel. Unfortunately, I think that's where they're, they're landing over on the SAS side. Um, and we may want to make sure that we take a look at what's going on in that universe. Mm. Yeah, there were a lot of good points in his uh, article there. And I think when you see something that says an open letter to CompTIA, your first reaction is, oh, you know, what is this going to be about? And I, I don't <laughs> think that he, you know, was really aiming at us. I, I, there, there weren't a lot of digs at CompTIA. It was more just his, his thoughts and, and maybe oh, yeah. his thoughts on how CompTIA could play. And so that was nice to see. It definitely feels like there are these two modes of operation happening now. And we've talked about that quite a bit in our research, that this is going to be a hybrid world right now. And we've also talked about the fact that there isn't necessarily one piece that's completely replacing another piece, but that there's pieces that are growing and, and that the whole pie is getting a little bit bigger. And I think that's kind of what's happening here. And a lot of our discussion within CompTIA has probably been geared at talking to the members that we currently have and talking to them about how they could maybe transform their businesses. And I think Jay's point is that to the degree that that, might, that transformation might be happening, there's also another group of people that are popping up and doing completely new things and, and maybe there are some ways for, for these to live in harmony. Uh, and so I, I think that, for one, cloud computing is definitely changing the way that IT is getting done. Uh, and, and we see cloud computing along with mobility as completely transforming the behaviors around technology and the way that businesses approach technology. But there is a, a lot of legacy infrastructure out there and there will continue to be some on-premise pieces. Companies probably aren't going to go 100% into the cloud. And so I would agree with you that it's not doom and gloom. It's, it's about how are we wrapping our arms around the whole thing? And, and from CompTIA's perspective, I think that um, you know, there's some responsibility there to try to figure out how we're including all of the pieces so that we've got the broadest perspective possible. For any individual channel company, I think they have some questions to wrestle with about how much do they want to transform, how much do they want to stay where they're at and maybe stay specialized in where they're at, uh, and then begin to look for other firms that might be doing something different, and then they can partner to provide a whole solution. Uh, I, th I think all of those things are on the table, and so there's a lot of change happening but it's not necessarily like, uh, you know, some kind of horizon event. You know, meteors are coming down and uh, <laughs> extinction is happening. So Yeah, the, yeah the, the sky is not falling. I will say that. I think one of the interesting dynamics is that customers have a lot to do with this as well. So it really depends from your perspective as a channel company who your customers happen to be. And one of the things that Jay cites in his letter is, the, the changing customer and the, the trend toward line of business non-IT uh, end users being in charge of IT procurement and making those types of decisions. And those customers 
uh, are the ones that are leaning toward more cloud solutions, more SaaS solutions, and the partners that we're seeing in this parallel channel, so to speak, or the shadow shadow channel, as Jay calls it, the, those partners are, are the ones who are selling more into line of business as opposed to the more historical or conventional channel that we deal with that has you know, grown up selling into the IT department. So I think the customer dynamic also has a lot to do with this. So if you're assessing your own company today and figuring out where you want to go or if you want to transform, much of that may have to do with who your customer set is and what sort of demands that they have and what some of their priorities are. And that there are some distinctions definitely between the VP of marketing doing the IT buying and the traditional CIO's office. And with what's happening inside of businesses and and you've got different business units getting more involved the way that jay calls it shadow channel i think kind of is a nod to shadow it uh with different business units doing their own thing and maybe bypassing the it function and and that's where i i might disagree with him a little bit um, because what we're seeing is that these business units, where they may have started off that way and they may have thought this is going to be the quickest way to get technology in place, they have come to realize that, especially for the reasons of security and integration, they don't have all the skills to bring in technology and make it enterprise grade and make it plug into everything that the company is doing. So we're seeing, I think, a stronger desire to partner with the IT function within business units and businesses have to figure out exactly what that decision process looks like and how they can get the speed that the business units want with the safety and uh, reliability that the IT team provides. Uh, And that's, again, where I kind of think that this newer channel will have opportunity to work with the existing channel, uh, and, and they won't necessarily have to be in competition with each other. Yeah, no, I think that's a fantastic point. I was thinking the exact same thing. I think that this is this could potentially be much more of a a partnering opportunity between these two channels, each bringing their own expertise to the table uh, as opposed to a competitive play. I, I absolutely spot on agree with that. It'll definitely be interesting to see what happens here. You know, I I think that as much as we've been talking about transformation, we maybe haven't seen the degree of transformation that we would have expected. And I I think part of the reason is you've got so many companies that are telling us that they are very busy with work doing what they've always done. Uh, And so there are a lot of companies out there that are still doing very traditional things. And these transitions don't happen overnight. Uh, And Jay talked about pretty big quantities of, of firms that are doing these new things but again, the technology pie is kind of growing, and, and the way that companies are trying to use technology is expanding their uh, budgets, I think, and, and also the, their, their desire to bring new things in, um, but all of that's not going to happen instantly. And so you're going to have things living side by side and hopefully finding some way to coexist. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Always is, right? Never a dull moment. No, never at all. <laughs> Great. So moving on to a new topic, CompTIA has recently released new research on the Internet of Things. We just put this study out a few weeks ago, and we've got a component for the end users and a component for the channel. It's a follow-on to some research briefs that we've done before, but this particular study is uh, quite a bit deeper than than ones that we've done. So uh, that report, as with all of our others, is available on CompTIA.org. 
and we wanted to talk a little bit about it, and we wanted to bring on another guest to the Volley Podcast. Uh, joining us today, we have Dave Sobel, who is the Senior Director of Community and Field Marketing at Logic Now, uh, which has just recently been acquired by SolarWinds. And uh, Dave is one of the biggest IoT fans that I know. He loves the stuff and uh, knows all about it. So welcome, Dave. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. You're right. This is one of those topics I just love riffing on. So this this should be fun. So to start off, um, because it's a little bit of a newer topic, maybe we should spend a little bit of time defining it and, and maybe not even defining it, but just saying what is it that people are talking about when they're talking about the Internet of Things? And and I think that the, the name is sort of descriptive, that we're talking about connecting physical objects in the world the way that the original internet connected data. And it's kind of as simple as that, um, but also that's kind of complex too. So what do you guys think about when when you hear this term, which uh, admittedly is not the greatest name in the whole wide world? Well, we're known for not having the greatest names in the whole wide world in our industry. But from my perspective, you know, I really was kind of a dubious person when we first started talking about Internet of Things, and I'm coming on board now, probably much to Dave's delight here, because I know you're a big, you're a big fan. Yeah, so I'm, I'm much less skeptical than I was before, and I do, you know what it is for me is like I need to see some sort of practical application and also some business opportunity, and I think we're finally starting to see that. As far as defining it, though, I'm going to leave that to you guys. Both Seth, you did the study, so you know, and I know Dave, you you really um, have uh, dove into this topic in, in pretty deep detail. So I'll let you try to handle how we would describe Internet of Things to somebody who is a complete newbie. Well, the, and I think the, the 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 thing that strikes me about the name that almost the worst part is the fact that it focuses on the things. And the things on themselves are not all that particularly interesting. Mm-hmm. The, the, the basic concept, of course, is that we're putting a bunch of a bunch of devices. We're internet enabling them for communication purposes, so that they can talk to other devices. But the things themselves are not what's interesting. It's stringing them together to create systems. But Internet of Things systems doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> um, you know, so. so you know, and as with a lot of these trends, the reason I got interested in it is is because from a consumer perspective, it kind of exploded into some into a bunch of crazy things that you could then do stuff with. It's a bit of a wild west because you know the 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 way to make things useful is to spend a bunch of time figuring out how to make them all talk to one another. That's interesting to me because as a as a geek, I can play with all of these things and I can now make them do neat stuff. But what's interesting to me is the opportunity to start building systems around it. Is by having you know all of these devices be smart, be able to relay their sensor data, be able to relay their status and and ask for information. Now we can start having things talk to other things to create results. As a consumer, super fun, super fascinating. You all kinds of neat automation. But on the business side, now we can start linking together systems to create business outcomes that don't require people to do the analysis. I, I totally agree with you, Dave, that the name has not helped. And that's one of the things that I say that the you know Internet of Things almost has three strikes against it from the beginning. One is the name, that it's more about the Internet and less about the things, but people get confused there. And part of that is the second strike is the examples. To your point, Carolyn, we talk about connected refrigerators and connected toothbrushes, but what does that really mean? And I think we're starting to see 
the the real benefit and the, and the real profitable examples here. Uh, and then the third thing that's kind of hurt it is the previous trend of cloud computing where that one really got adopted quickly, where the, the benefits of that became obvious, I think, fairly quickly. And the ability to, to transition over to the cloud was fairly simple uh, in terms of, or at least when compared to like the Internet of Things and, and building out this network of connected devices. And so I think people are thinking, hey, we did the cloud thing. Let's do Internet of Things now. Um, and I don't think it's going to be quite that simple because, like you said, Dave, it's about these large systems. And our report, one of the big pieces of it is the ecosystem uh, that we have described there being made up of the hardware, which is the things and the, these connected devices, as well as the infrastructure that makes it happen. The software, uh, which is a huge piece of it when you're talking about machine learning or artificial intelligence and trying to make things happen automatically. Um, and then you've got regulations, just like we had with the internet. You've got to have protocols and standards that allow all this to happen, and we're not there yet. And then that's all so complex that you're going to have services on top of this, and that's going to be the way that a lot of companies experience the internet of things, not by building out their own complete network, but by getting a service that taps into other networks. And I think that's going to be one of the challenges for the channel here is in thinking about how broad these systems are and in choosing a piece that a given firm can specialize in or provide and then they partner for the rest. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sorry, Dave. Well, I was gonna I was gonna talk about the channel a little bit here is is where do they play? And you know, your partners, Dave, obviously are in the, the managed services space. And so from their perspective, um, does this I mean what what sort of a play is it for them? Are they in that role where they may or not may not have anything to do with the hardware or the sensors, the devices, but then they are able to um, they are able to take over the management of all this data that is coming in from the various devices. Yeah, and I, I think that so you know for me there's there's two areas that I think solution providers and and you know certainly our customer base are the ones that need to be looking and embracing. The first is the systems integration role, and this is really almost a classic systems integration task. You're taking devices and making them talk to one another. It may be easier to do, and there there may be uh, you know they, they may have vendors and and such may make these devices much easier to do than those old the way we used to think about system integration. But that's the task at hand. And then the second part it is is of course is the management of this is making sure the systems work well work well they're monitored that the devices are are functioning the way they're supposed to that they're sending the right kind of data and that's a very classic managed services play. Uh -huh. So. What's interesting to me is this feels like it aligns perfectly with a typical solution provider slash MSP's approach. This should be a natural step for them and why I'm so interested in it. Yeah, I, in our study on the channel side of things, I think it was really interesting to see how warmly the channel seems to feel towards Internet of Things. Uh, and I think for exactly that reason, I think they, they can see the adjacent opportunities to things that they're already doing. They can see where, okay, if someone's going to have this network built out and the system built out, I can monitor that. I can manage it. There's going to be, you know, break-fix opportunities in there. Some of these traditional things that we've done, I still think the challenge for them will be in 
really understanding what the full opportunity is uh, and and understanding how the piece that they're providing might need to connect to another piece that they don't provide. Uh, and, and we haven't seen you know, the channel dig into learning some of these new shifts as much, but they, they do understand how to move into these these close spaces that are related to what they're already doing. And so I think that that learning will come over time and it's good to see that they're jumping in kind of in the same way that their end users and their clients are showing interest in it. Yep. Well, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the security opportunity here too. Yeah, I was going to mention that too. Yeah. yeah, it is, yeah so we're clearly all thinking the same way is you know, these devices are talking to one another in ways that we're not always sure about that that are not necessarily secure you know the uh there was a study done uh you know an informal study but but published at the uh, at defcon just actually this past you know just recently where a security researcher was walking around his neighborhood testing uh bluetooth connectivity with locks and finding you know passwords sent in the sent in the clear you know and and so there is still opportunity here for solution providers to look at what are the security implications and being able to help roll these systems out in ways that actually meet firm security requirements. Yeah, it seems to me security is going to be one of the biggest areas. It's also a bit of a hurdle in terms of selling to customers as well who may be concerned about that. So both an opportunity but perhaps also an obstacle. We, we've seen huge interest in security over the past 12 to 18 months, I'd say. And I think that spike in interest came at a good time for Internet of Things because this latest research shows that people aren't allowing security to be a hurdle to IoT adoption, but they're also not just bypassing security and trying to install the technology as quickly as possible. Uh, so it's really good to see that there's some some thought around security as implementations are happening. And, and even, even there, uh, we can see, I think, some of this division between understanding that security needs to happen, but maybe not knowing some of the, the new aspects of IoT security. So what we see people concerned about is typical security attacks, but on IoT systems, so like malware and hacking as it applies to IoT. We see them a little less concerned about new vendors that maybe have been producing physical devices like locks or baby monitors for a long time, and now they're adding intelligence and connectivity without fully understanding the security implications. And so that's going to be a huge part of IoT security, even though these more traditional things will, will still be a part as well. Mm -hmm. You mentioned something interesting there, though. We're talking about non-traditional vendors. So there may be a channel disconnect, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this, Dave, is that uh, many of these vendors are not in our traditional IT world, for instance, um, who are making these kinds of devices or, or equipping their what they manufacture today for consumers with these types of devices. And the channel may have no familiarity or relationship with any of these type of manufacturers. So you know, how does that gap become bridged because you were basically talking about an entirely new um, ecosystem of vendor partners to work with and uh, it seems to me that you know a company like yourself could help bridge that gap with certain um, with your partner community uh, but I think that there's go definitely going to be some relationship building that has to happen that isn't there yet 
Yep, I see, I see two big avenues for that. The first is you're exactly right. Organizations like mine can embrace you know who we're working with and how we're supporting IoT. And of course, you know, and and we're, the reason we're on this podcast together is organizations like CompTIA, the trade organization, are also going to be bringing together these realms. So I think you know solution providers that are working closely with both their vendors and you know their their supplier vendors as well as you know, within their trade association, like you know specifically CompTIA, are the ones that are going to get access to, to, to building these relationships with new vendors. One last uh, aspect that maybe I'd like to touch on here is the standards and protocols that I mentioned before. And Dave, I know you've got a lot of experience with setting up a smart home and, and trying to get things to talk to each other. And so I, I'm sure that you've got firsthand experience <laughs> with this. And so interested to hear about that, but also interested to hear what channel partners can do to best be prepared as we sort through these standards battles that are going to be happening and these discussions and, and the market comes to agreement on which standards and, and protocols are going to be used? Yeah, I mean, and, and it's, it's the Wild West out there. It's, it's uh, the, you know, anybody who's interested in making things work and likes figuring it out, it's an absolute blast. From a standards and from an implementation perspective, it's a it's a nightmare, and so that's where you know I always talk about the fact that in mystery there is margin. That's where with spe- with particular implementations, I think that there'll be you know high value, high margin uh, implementation services to be done. I.e., if you can figure out a way to implement a, a particular system that that helps for a customer and then can do it repeatedly you're in a, in a you're in great shape and in some cases a lot of that comes to alignment with particular vendors you know I won't give them the plug but for example you know the, in my home auto, you know, I do a lot of with home automation by embracing a particular vendor and learning their implementation model and then you know building on their foundation I've been able to put together you know uh, exactly that a smart home now I can't just buy any old enabled device and expect it to work with all the rest of the stuff. But if I understand the way the vendor works and embrace their best practices and embrace their uh, mode of, of operation and their standards, then I can make a lot of different things work very effectively. That is an area where, say, if you want to go into this realm and you align yourself with a vendor and you go deep and you learn their system, you're going to work well. But expecting you know, the interoperability that we oftentimes associate with IT, this is still not that market. It's still, it's still developing, but it's a great time to watch. All right. Well, uh, any last thoughts on IoT? There's a lot of stuff in the research. Uh, I'd encourage people to check that out. And I'm sure that this is a topic that will pop up for us from time to time. But for now, any any closing comments? I just want to know what your house will do for you, Dave. Like, will it go grab you a beer while you're sitting on the couch or... Uh, I can order a pizza. Awesome. <laughs> so you, you can actually do that. Uh, it does a lot. Of, I mean, we, we've got full automation around lighting and, and security system and motion sensors and uh, climate control, and they're all linked to one another. So, for example, like, the example I always like that people were fascinated by is, is there's a uh, I've Bluetooth enabled my vehicle, which talks to my phone, which then talks to the house. So that when I get in the car, it actually sends a signal back to the house saying ETA at the house, 22 minutes to then prepare the climate system. So when we get home, it's it's the correct temperature. Oh, you are living large. It's kind of nice. Use, I could use climate control here in a sweltering heat wave right now. So, th- so that's the example. But that's what I use as an example of that's a system. 
tying those things together to make it do something useful, that's the trick. Um, my my big thought is is look, even if you're skeptical about Internet of Things, there's an there's an actual significant opportunity around managed security and around building secure divided networks that that don't assume everything on the inside is is to be trusted. Um, so, for example, separating users from devices and building networks that allow that in the typical you know small to mid market company that makes a lot of sense right now. Um, printers don't need to necessarily be on the same networks as humans. And by having a segmented network, you're well positioned for adding other kinds of devices in the future. And if you were wrong, and if the trend doesn't explode, you've still built a great layered security model. Very cool. Well, Very cool. thanks for joining us, Dave. We really appreciate it. Tell us where we can find you on Twitter or YouTube or other social media of interest? Sure. Obviously, the, the organization at solarwindsmsp.com. You want to find me personally um, on Facebook as DJ Dave, uh, left over from my college days, and at Twitter handle is at DJ Dave ET. Excellent. Thank you so much, Dave. Thanks for having me. You bet. You bet. We'll talk to you next time.